Okay, we're going to do a quick survey, a marketing survey this morning. And if you've ever purchased one of these things, I'm going to uh, list. Uh, you used to own one. Uh, you own one now. Are you thought of owning one? Raise your hand. The Ab Rocker. The Ab Lounger. That's Tony Little's thing, you know, the big dude with the blonde hair. Uh, the Ab Mat. The Ab Energizer. Or the newest and most exciting thing, the Ab Circle Pro. That was on Home Shopping Network yesterday. And for $19.95, or like six payments of $19.95, you can have the Ab Circle Pro for only, in only three minutes a day. You can have abs of steel. How about uh, a thigh rocker? How about the bun and thigh rocker? No, <laughs> nobody's raising their hand. You're, you're embarrassed. I know some of you own these things. I've seen it at the yard sales. Um, the tread climber, the bow, a Bowflex machine, a home gym, the, a rowing machine, any kind of treadmill, an elliptical trainer, an exercise bike, a home gym. Okay, thank you. I knew I'd get you. Now let me ask you a question. Most of those, and I watched a lot of, uh, you can go online and actually watch the ads. I watched the ads for most of these things. It's hilarious. I mean, most of them claim, claim that if you only spend, you know, the, the most was like 20 minutes a day, you know, three days a week. Most of them were like three minutes to five minutes a day. Man, you can like be fit like the people on there who probably never had an ounce of fat on them their whole life. And you still bought the things. People buy them by the millions, millions and millions of these things. And, 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 and we simply, it's, it's, it's basically, how many of you believe that's true? I mean, some of you in your mind, you know it's not, but you still people hope that it's true. And they buy some of those things. You know, I don't care if you have a home gym or you have a Bowflex or whatever. It, it still has nothing to do with what you own. It's whether you're going to be fit or not. It's whether you exercise and whether you eat right. I found that out. I mean, I can eat, sometimes I eat right, sometimes I exercise right, and still doesn't work. You've got to do it all together. And so that's kind of the deal. One of the things that, that we're going to be talking about, the thing we're going to be talking about for the next six weeks is, is something that, that is so prevalent in our world. I began to explore this a few months ago as I was thinking about series for the future, and I was reading through John chapter 8. And I was reading some stuff there, and then I was also thinking about some of the things that I deal with constantly in counseling. And I found that there's a no number of lies that people have bought into. Things that people have bought into that they believe, and while they may not know, think that they're totally true, they've bought into them and they act upon them. Because see, the fact is this, a, a lie believed as truth will affect you as if it were true. A lie believed as true will affect you as if it were true. And so the lies that we believe in our life, so often what happens is, is that we simply start believing things. And so I'm going to talk for the next several weeks about several areas of life that we have bought into, that, that, uh, that we just simply need to understand their lies and we need to, to understand some things about them that the Scripture has to say. Today I'm going to talk about one of the most common lies that God's children believe, and that is this. This, this is the lie that this is just the way I am. I cannot change. This is just the way I am. I can never change. We believe that so often. We buy into that so often. And we buy into all these theories that, well, you're born a certain... There are certain things that when you're born you, that you are. But it doesn't mean that certain parts of who you are cannot change. Because the Bible tells us clearly that we can change. We're going to look at that today. 
Matter of fact, when I was looking back in John chapter 8, verse 44, I read this a few weeks back. It says, when the devil lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. And in the context of that, what it's talking about is talking about a battle that's taking place in our lives that we need to deal with. And in John chapter 8, it's, it's talking about the difference between children of God and children of the devil. And it says so often, when, we have to understand we're in a battle so often. We think the devil's kind of neutral, he kind of like hangs back over here and doesn't do anything, but he's constantly trying to trip up. Any of you ever read a book called The Screw Tape Letters? A few of you? It's a great book. It's by C.S. Lewis. It's an old book. It's about a, a, a devil who has an apprentice devil, <laughs> and he's teaching him how to trip up Christians. It's, it's a novel. It's farcical, but it's a really good book. I read it again recently because it reminds us of the fact that we are in a battle, and, it, and Satan doesn't come out like in the movies and jump at you and scare you. He doesn't do it that way. He comes, the Bible says, as an angel of light. He looks like it's, it's kind of true, but it's, not, it's just a little off kilter, and he tries to get you to go in a different direction. And so we have to understand that's how, that's how Satan works in our lives, and we are, we are dealing with that. The good thing in John 8.32 John 8, says is this, though. It says, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And so we're going to talk about the lies that we believe, but the truth of God's Word and how it can set us free. Now this morning I want to start off, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians, the ch- 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to look at three or four verses there and a few other verses that kind of go along with it this morning. Talking about this first lie we're going to talk about, this is just the way I am, I can never change. John, uh, second, second chronic, uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, Paul says this, though, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. First of all, Paul says we're in a battle. It's a spiritual battle that we're fighting. And we have an adversary. Then he says this, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now I need to define a couple of words here because this is the key to what we're talking about today. It says first of all that the the weapons that we fight with, these battles, these lies that Satan kind of pushes into our life are divine uh, our divine power. The word power is the word dunamis. It comes from the word dynamite. It means it's, it's tremendous power, not just a little tiny bit of power, but tremendous power to fight something. And the word stronghold there in Greek is, is a word, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the word. It really doesn't matter how you know, if you know whether it's, what it sounds like in Greek. But the word, the Greek word there means to fortify, or it means, uh, means a strong castle. It literally means, though, this is a literal translation of the word stronghold, it means a prisoner locked by deception. A prisoner locked by deception. It's believing a lie. It's believing a lie. I remember one time when I, when I was a kid, uh, I, had three, I have three younger sisters. And, uh, and I always tried to protect them, but sometimes they would gang up on me and try to do things, you know, evil. You know how kids, kids are. And I remember one time I was downstairs and we were playing as kids. Uh, I was older than that. We were playing hide and seek. And I, for some reason, one of my sisters decided... And I decided I was real good at hiding. I would hide in places that nobody could find me. At least I thought I could do it. And so one time I was hiding in this closet in the basement. And I was in the closet. And one of my sisters, some way, she must have cheated. She must have looked. And she must have knew I was in there. And so she went over and she put a chair against the door. So when they said, okay, everybody, uh, find me. You know how you do that. And and, and so uh, for a while I thought, okay, nobody's ever going to find me. I've been in here for half an hour. 
And then I tried to get out, and I couldn't get out the door. And I said, come on, guys, let me out. And after a while, they finally, you know, after some whining and stuff, they said, no, we're not going to let you out. You're going to stay in there. What I didn't know, though, was that they had, they had uh, taken the chair away from the door. It was no longer locked. But I didn't try the door because I thought that, that it was still there. I tried it before. And for another half an hour, I sat there with a chair, not even at the door. I could have lo- opened the door and walked out because I believed in my mind that I couldn't get out. I believed a lie as the truth. This morning, I want to talk about this whole thing of how we believe lies that are truth. You know, I found it interesting in life that guys, women and men are, are very different in how we perceive things. We both believe in lies, but it's opposite. Let me give you an example. This is a great example. For some strange reason, I hear beautiful women all the time going around, thin, attractive women going around all the time and going, oh, I am so fat. Do I look fat? Does this look good on me? You know, and they'll be talking about stuff like that. All. Women believe this lie that you have to look a certain way to be perfect. I don't know what that way is. I've still not found it out. They don't have a clue either, guys, so it doesn't really matter. But they believe that. And so people that are, you know, that are fit and, and look good, it, they believe because of this body image thing we have in America, most women do not think they look good, no matter what they look like. Now, guys are the opposite. Guys think they look good when they're not. I mean, how many of you have seen a good-looking guy in a Speedo? I mean, that's of Satan. That's all I can say. Anybody that wears a Speedo on the beach is, is, is sinning against God. Because, I mean, that's just ugly. I don't care who you are. Speedos were not made. But guys will do that. I mean, you go to the beach, you see guys wear and I'm going, oh, my gosh. You know what I mean. You're picturing it in your mind right now. See, guys will do that. They think they look all right. Walk around in your speedo, you know, and women, you know, wouldn't walk around. You know, it's just totally opposite. We have this, but it's lies we believe. It's, we're just self-deceived in different ways. What I want to talk about today for a few minutes, though, before we look at some biblical principles of how to deal with this, and I want to talk about this word strongholds, this whole thing of these things that, that things that, uh, that believing the lies that we believe. And so let me give you a list of, of strongholds today. I've listed several of them, and... Uh, and what I want us to think about today is, is, do you struggle in any of these areas? Because I believe somewhere along the way you'll find yourself, there's all of us have strongholds in our life, areas where we believe a lie and we act upon that lie in some ways. Let me give you a list of these this morning. First of all, there's financial strongholds. I've had people constantly say to me, they said, I'm in financial trouble. I don't know where my money goes. I don't know how to manage money. I don't know if I'll ever be able to know how to manage money. I struggled with, even though this last year, I mean, I, we had two series, one in the fall and one in the spring on financial management because of the money crisis. People seem to be very interested in the whole thing of how to manage their money. But the thing was is that people constantly uh, think about money, and they, some people think, I'll just never know how to deal with money in a positive way. Is that a problem for you? Is, does money kind of freak you out when you think about it? No, you, know, you, just, you just can't seem to get a handle on it. Is that a stronghold in your life? You know, the Bible has, as we, as we learned this year, some basic principles that it doesn't take, uh, uh, you don't have to be a brain surgeon to understand. You just got to do them. Is that a stronghold in your life? Another stronghold may be what I call relational strongholds. Relational strongholds is where people say, I, you know, I just can't, I don't know how to have a good relationship. Or people that are single say, I'm never going to get married. Or people that are married and says, my marriage is always going to stink. 
I mean, man, what a great way to start a counseling session. I mean, I hear that all the time with people. My marriage stinks. It's been that way for years. And I've, all, I've, I've, I've tried to trust people and they've always burned me. That's the way it's always going to be. Or some people say, well, I'm not very affectionate. I just don't know how to give affection. Do you have a relational stronghold in your life? A place where you say, you know, I just can't do it. Well, all of us are different in different ways, but God says there's some, there's some things in God's Word that helps us to understand how to build healthy relationships in our lives. Another stronghold may be what we call habitual strongholds. Habitual strongholds is, you know, things, habits that have us addicted to something. It, 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 may, be, uh, it may be gambling. It may be a lottery. Man, oh, man, I want to hit the big one. You know, paradise, every time you drive by, it may be your... It's like a magnet. It just draws you to it. It doesn't draw me to it, but it may draw you to it. That might be a stronghold in your life. It may be some other addiction. It may be something online you shouldn't be watching, guys. It may be some other area of your life. It could be some other kind of a chemical dependency, alcohol, drugs, pain medication. It could be you're addicted to caffeine. You're addicted to those $5 expensive drinks at the expensive drink store. You know what I'm talking about? $5 may be cheap now, I'm not really sure. But the thing is, is that that may be an addiction. You've got to have that to start my day. And you look at your budget and you're wondering, oh, well, I can't manage my budget too well because I'm spending so much on my $5 expensive drinks. Is that a stronghold? Do you have habitual strongholds? Some of us had mental strongholds. We just have bad attitudes. You know, we're grumpy. That's just the way I am. Got to deal with it. Or, you know, some people, I've heard some people, I had one lady in the church one time tell me, she was constantly criticizing everybody. She says, I have the gift of criticism. <laughs> and I'm going, show me that one in Scripture. <laughs> but the issue is, is that we have these mental strongholds. We think we can't change our attitudes. But the Bible says there are some ways the fruits of the Spirit are, and you can list all those things. Some people have spiritual strongholds in, our, in, in their lives. You know, one day they're on fire for God. The next day they're kind of like lukewarm. It's kind of like a high and low. Their whole life's like that throughout their life. And, or some people will say, yeah, I'm going to read my Bible. And two days later it's kind of like off the page. Or, or they say, you know, I wish I had faith like other people. I just don't understand. I can't have faith like... They believe that. Or I'll try to pray and be consistent and I just can't do it. The issue is, is that there's stuff in Scripture that talks about how we can't overcome those strongholds. Finally, there's physical strongholds. I, I just don't like the way I look. I started off with all the uh, workout machines. But, you know, that's why people buy those things. It's because we just don't like the way we look, the way we feel. We have physical strongholds as well. You know, some people look at other people and they say, I don't like anything about the way I look. I, I change a thousand things. Uh, I see food and I eat it. You know, I, I wish that I could change that. I can't. So we just kind of give up. See, what the Bible tells us is this, is your spiritual enemy continues to tell you, this is just the way you are, you can't change. And for some reason, we buy into that Maybe not totally mentally, but we buy into it with the way we live. And we continue to live entrapped 
by these, spirit, by these strongholds in our life. And because of that, we never change because we don't think we can. Because when we hear something long enough, we begin to believe it. Now this morning, what I want to do is give you a simple biblical strategy that begins out of the same passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians that kind of like helps us to understand about how to get moving in the right direction of dealing with this lie that Satan says that you, you can't change, that's just the way you are. Because the Bible says you can change. I can change, and you can change. That is good news. That is good news, because God's not finished with us yet. Not until he shovels, we dirt shoveled over us, that's, that's the end. But until that time, God is not finished with changing us and helping us to grow to become more Christ-like. Now, let me give you three things this morning, really quick, that'll, um, that helps us to understand a simple strategy the Bible uh, tells us about. First of all, in that same passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 5, we're going to look at it in just a second. The first one, it says this, the first part of the strategy of dealing with these, these strongholds is to capture wrong thoughts. Capture wrong thoughts. Uh, any thought that is inconsistent with God's word, we're not, we're not going to allow to continue on in our brain. Because it says uh, in this passage, it says this, we demolish, verse 5, we demolish arguments, and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And then he says this, and we take captive, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You're going, well, that sounds easy, taking captive every thought. I can't do that. God says if he tells us that we can do something, he will give us the power to do it. And so I want to talk about what that means. First of all, what does that mean in a real sense? Have you ever had a fearful thought? You ever have fearful thoughts? I do. I mean, some days in my office, this is going to be a great illustration to build confidence in me. Some days in my office, I'm sitting there and I'm going, what am I doing? I'm just going like, okay, what's the next step? And I begin to get fearful because I don't, it's not written. I don't have this like 10-year plan for Great Oaks. I, I have a directional idea of where God wants us to go. I have some, some focus about where I believe he wants us to go. But as far as next steps, we, I, we take it one day at a time. Maybe a month at a time, maybe a year at a time. Far out. But down the road, I mean, I can't, I'm not one of these guys that sends up and says, well, 10 years from now, God's going to do this. I don't know if that's God's plan. I mean, ever since the beginning of Great Oaks, when I've been here seven years ago, I didn't know where we would be today. I believe and trusted God that God wanted us to do certain things, but I've had fearful thoughts. You know, I mean, when you're going in where you're living right now, how many have had fearful thoughts about your job? <laughs> Probably a lot of us. About, you know, I'm not going to have a job tomorrow. I mean, you have fearful thoughts. And those fearful thoughts, after a while, begin to, to take root in your life, and you think about them, and you self-talk, and you do that all the time, and it becomes a real issue in your life. Well, one of the things that, that helps me when I have fearful thoughts, and it happens on a regular basis, is, is that I begin to look at Scripture, and, and I have some Scriptures that I've learned and I've memorized over the years that kind of help me to go back to what God says about how to deal with those fearful thoughts. Because remember it says, he says, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Now how can I know what being, being obedient to Christ is? Well, God's Word tells me what it means. So when I have a fearful thought, I can remember then 1 John 4.18, it says perfect love drives out all fear. And it says also in Scripture that God is love. And if I understand that God loves me, then he, that the thought is not, the fear is not coming from God. God's not putting me down. It's coming from somewhere else, another, the other adversary. 
And what's happening is, is I'm allowing that to control my life. I'm letting Satan, the Bible says, whisper in my ear, hey, you better be afraid. Instead of listening to what God has to say. So what we do is we begin the process of capturing our thoughts, and we do that by, first of all, recognizing the thought, that the thought is there, and secondly, by doing what I call replacement therapy. Replace it with God's Word. Paul was great at this. Um, He says this in Philippians 4, 8, Whatever is true and noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent-worthy or praiseworthy, think about that. He says, when you begin to have all this garbage floating through your head, these th- fearful thoughts or, or these thoughts about the strongholds that we just listened in your life and you're beginning to believe them, he says, first of all, capture the thought, place it in front of you, and then ask, okay, what does God's word have to say about it? What does God say about it? And compare the two. Because it says, once again, in John, it says, it says to us that... Uh, Going back to that verse, it says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the truth is God's word, not our fearful thoughts, not our strongholds that that hold us back, not the things that Satan wants to tell us in our lives. That's the first thing we have to do. And I'm thinking of Wells' other scriptures. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe when God says that, he means that. He doesn't mean any kind of crazy thing that he wants me to do. He means the things that he wants me to do, I can do through him who strengthens me. I believe the reason I can still, you know, not have to have a 10-year plan at Great Oaks is because I'm going to stick with God, and as long as we stick with God and we work with him, he's going to lead us week by week, day by day, year by year, where he wants us to go. He'll do that as a church. He'll do that in your life as well and in my life. It's not a, see, if I knew where it was going to go, it'd probably be pretty scary. But God wants me to live in faith, trusting him each day for what I do. So the first thing is that we capture, capture the thoughts. We capture the thoughts, that, uh, the wrong thoughts in our life. Second thing we do, and this is, uh, is just as important. All of these go together. You can't leave out parts. Capture wrong thoughts. Number two, release right words. Release right words. In Proverbs 18, 21, it says, The tongue has the power of life and death. You know why saying the right things is important in a life? If you say something long enough, guess what's going to happen? You're going to believe it. I'm stupid. Your kids that hear that all the time, guess what they start believing as they grow up? I'm stupid. Studies have proven that. That's not just a biblical fact, but that's a, that's a psychological fact. You know, if we tell our kids something, that if we hear something in our life long enough, we'll begin to believe those words. Words have tremendous power in our life. We need to not only capture the thoughts, but we need to say right words. We need to say what God wants us to do. We need to, in a sense, uh, say those uh, to, to, to ourselves and to other people. We capture the thoughts, we release right words. It's important to agree with God in our words. And so many people hear words of defeat and words of death, and they, well, I just can't do this. I'm I'm just not like you. I mean, you know, I'm not any good at that. I mean, I heard hear that all the time. In a real sense, we have to understand the power of words. I've heard people say, you know, well, I just can't, you know, quit whatever smoking. Okay, let's use that as a, a phrase. I heard, it. but when people get their words and begin to talk about the things in a positive way and begin to capture that thought and talk about the right words, they begin to act upon those words over a period of time. 
And the thing that we have to understand is that eventually we want the words and thoughts of our mouth to be what it says in uh, Psalm 19:14. May the words of our mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. Are the thoughts and the word are the words that we say pleasing to God? Now think about that. You know, if you have wrong thoughts, you capture the thought, you look at what God says, and you begin to say the things that God says. That becomes pleasing to God. Not going, I can't change. God wants you to understand that regardless of what stronghold you have, that God can help you to change. Because we're in a battle. The third principle is this. If we're going to first capture, capture those uh, wrong thoughts... We're going to release right words. Last, we got to attack and win. Remember, it's a battle. we got to attack and win. This is not like, this is not neutral ground, folks. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of, if, if we're in a battle and we're just going to sit there and wait for something to happen, guess what? We're going to lose. That's how you lose a battle. The Bible says that we are to actively attack and win. It says this, that we're to be actively involved in the process of the solution. It says in Colossians 1.29, To this end I labor, struggling with all of his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Now the thing is, he's talking about the power that is beyond himself. Paul here is saying to us, he's saying that this battle, he's been talking throughout all of his things about the spiritual battle that we have in our life going on. He's saying we have to, you know, not only just grab a hold of those words, capture those wrong thoughts, we need to say the right words, but we need to attack and win. We get to become proactive in this process. There's two extremes I find in a Christian life so often that how we, how we deal with the things that come our way, how we deal with the strongholds in our life. What we do is one of two extremes so often. Number one is this. People say, oh, I just got to try harder. I gotta, I gotta be better. I, I really was devoted at overcome, you fill in the blank. It's all about them. It's all about what they need to do. And, and this is not what this scripture says. The Christian life is not just about you. Now there's another extreme though. This is deadly, just as ineffective. And that is where well-meaning Christ followers say this, well, I prayed about it. Now God's got to do it. You know, and then they sit and wait for God to do something. Well, you know what this says here? Let's go back. To this end, I labor, struggling with all of his energy, which so powerfully works in me. See, it's not about me, it's about we. It's about God and me working together. God wants me to do my part, and then as I do my part, God's power works in me to fill in all the gaps and overcome all the problems that I need to have in my life. The word uh, translated as struggling, and once again, I'm not going to pronounce the Greek word, means to struggle, to compete for a prize, to contend with an adversary, and to win. That's what it means. That's what literally the Greek word means there. It means to struggle and win. See, God wants us to struggle and win. He believes that through the struggle, we grow as a person. Through the struggle in, in dealing with him, we grow as a person. And ultimately, he wants us to win. That's the word that Paul was doing. We get our word agony out of this. When we agonize over something, we've got to understand in the Christian life, it's God's power that carries us through this process. 
But people say often, many times, well, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. It's never going to happen. There's a difference between trying and praying and trying and surrendering. See, trying and praying is I'm going to pray, I hope it happens. Trying and surrendering means, God, I'm going to try, I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to surrender the results up to you. I'm going to leave it up to you, God. I've done everything I can do. I'm going to continue to do everything I can do. But in the meantime, I'm going to let you fill in the gaps, God, because I believe you will. I, when I was going down the road the other day, I was, I was on the road for about 10 hours in the last three days uh, going to a convention, our denominational convention, so I had a lot of time to think. Five hours to Fort Wayne, five hours back. The car, the rental car was cool. It had, it had satellite radio in it. Never experienced that before. Cool concept. And I would get to listen to stuff all the way down the road. And I was listening to one of the Christian channels, and there was a song. I'm not sure who was it by, but it's called I'm Waiting. I think it's by John Waller. I'm not sure. But anyway, it's a, it's a song. It's a really cool song, but it says I'm waiting. It says while I'm waiting, I'm serving. While I'm waiting. It's, it's a song about while I'm waiting, I'm proactively involved in the process. I'm struggling, I'm agonizing, I'm going through what God, you know, I'm dealing with it. I'm not just waiting, but I'm waiting actively. That's what this is about right here. God wants to break the strongholds. He wants to help you to understand that you can change. I can change. But we have to capture those wrong thoughts. We have to release right words, and we have to attack and win. That's the process that God wants to take us through. Because the spiritual enemy will say you cannot change. This is just the way you are. But Christ has opened a door in our lives when we become Christians to give us the power to change that you and I do not have in and of ourselves. We do our part. We struggle. But we allow God to do his part. And we grow through the process. What I'd like you to do right now as we close this morning, I'd like you to think about strongholds in your life. Maybe, as I made a list a while ago, I maybe didn't list your stronghold in your life. What area of life do you struggle with? What area that, that you think, man, it's been this way for years. I keep doing the same things over and over. And I know it's not the way God would want it to be, but I just can't change. What is your stronghold? If you can narrow it down to one thing, what would it be? What is the one thing God wants to change next in you? Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.